and good to have your company. And I've got questions, and I'm here sitting talking to my brainy mate, Catherine Burkett, uh, about all sorts of interesting stuff. Kia ora, Catherine. Kia ora, Fiore. Great to be here again. Yeah, how are you? Good. It's been a while. I'm excited to be back recording with yeah, you. Yeah, so, yeah, 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 yeah. 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 So we've got our podcasts that are happening out there, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and, and, and they're going well, and there seems to be uh, some real interest in the topics that we're talking about, which is cool. Mm-hmm. Trauma. Ooh. Ooh. What do you reckon? Can we talk about trauma, please? <laughs> We can talk about trauma, and we always have to remember when we're talking about trauma, um, there's a lot of people out there that have experienced trauma. Yeah. Right? So, um, you know, being respectful and understanding, hey, just pause the podcast and go and have a walk or have a, you know, a a sit down or put on some music and dance if this is getting, um, we won't get heavy, heavy. Yeah. But to understand this is important. I find the word trauma is used a lot. and Too much, do you think? Possibly? Well, it's funny because sometimes it's used too much. It's used in situations where I think it shouldn't be used. But there's a lot of times when trauma has happened that we don't notice it. We don't acknowledge it because it doesn't feel like trauma. So I'd really like people to understand the neuroscience understanding of trauma. Now, look, you can talk about trauma to an environment or something which is completely different. I'm talking about trauma to our bodies, to our minds, to our stress response systems. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, so you know, when you say the word trauma, I was just driving in here and listening to uh, Cordero about the war that's going on in Europe. I mean, that's trauma at its uh, obvious and most severe, I would say, uh, end of the scale. But, you know, is, is, is trauma something that can sort of creep up on you and sort of become the norm for some people? Yeah, so when we start to understand what trauma does and how we recognise it, it could be something that you don't even know you're experiencing. And often when I do a training or I do a session, people will come up to me and go, I didn't realise. Yeah, I'm not actually allowed myself to acknowledge that I'd experienced trauma um, because there wasn't something big, something massive. Obviously, if you go through a war, that's right. I mean, there wasn't something. So we often... Describe. We often think of trauma as the event. Yep. You're saying there's a war in Europe. That's that's traumatic. Why trauma isn't used in the right places sometimes is because there might not be an obvious event. Uh, uh. Um, there is to me. <laughs> there's yeah, very yeah, clear yeah. obvious um, events to me. But for someone who's observing from the outside, so event. There's three E's when we think about trauma. Um, and these come from Dr. Bruce Perry, who we talk about a lot. Um, and event is the first one. So it is important because if you th- there is some events that would almost always um, create a sense of trauma. Yeah. Um, I mean, someone in the, uh, I don't know, someone else in that space overseas um, may be in complete control and may be actually in some ways benefiting out of this and they might not yeah. experience trauma, yeah. right? So not everybody experiences that. I mean, majority will Even be, to the obviously. same event, people can react differently. Absolutely. So I I know obviously most people will be, but it's not absolute. So events are important, but the second and third one are the most important things when we understand trauma. And the second element is experience. And we've talked a lot about that stress response, the red and green brain, and how we activate into stress. And what we know is when we have an experience in our body, our body tenses up, our body goes into a stress response, and our brain shuts down and can't be as adaptable and regulated, right? So when you have that experience, you shut down into that space. 
um, it's that experience that is the first way we really start to define has trauma occurred. Yeah, yeah. So I often use the example, which is not a traumatic example because we don't want to use traumatic examples, of going on a roller coaster, right? So if oh. you jumped on a roller coaster, if I said let's go on a roller coaster, how are you feeling? Cool? Uh, anxious. Right. So yeah. the neurotransmitters, the chemicals in your brain, yeah. will be slightly shutting down your brain. We, you aren't, know? we aren't going on a roller coaster. We're not going okay. on a roller oh, that's coaster. That's okay, I'm fine now. <laughs> Coffee. <laughs> but do you see how it's yeah. physically impacted you? And, and that's why I only use that because it's a tiny example. I'm yeah. not going to use a big example. But if we use a really big example, you can imagine you times that by 10, 20, 30, yeah. and you shut down. Your body goes into an experience. Whereas if you said to me, let's go on a roller coaster, I could be going, woohoo, let's go on a roller coaster. And there's a whole different experience in my body. It's a positive experience. It's opening up my brain. It's giving me all this positive chemicals yeah. to engage, right? Yeah. See, it's, it's it's funny when you're talking about that stuff. They say one of the most frightening things you can do is actually stand up in front of an audience. Yep. Well, I've been doing that all my life. It ain't a problem to me. Who are they? Where are we? Let's, let's have this, you know. But to somebody else, it's really traumatising. Mm, okay. Right. So the event, you can't say that was traumatising. Uh, I would say, how do you feel when you stand up in front of an audience? Do you yeah. see? And again, that's not where we'd even go with trauma again, unless you stood up there and someone made absolute fun of you and, yeah. and you felt horrible. But So I'm asking, what did you experience in your brain and your body at the time? Yeah. And that's so that's important. But then the third one is effect. So we've got event, experience, and effect. And what is the ongoing effect? Right, so we've said, you said, we're not going to go on um, roller coaster, eh? I said, no, boom, your body came back to yeah, regulated. I'm, I'm happy. You're all good. We're not going no. to walk out of here today and you're still shaking and nah. it's having an ongoing effect. Tough. No, but no. can you see how <laughs> something could? So say you've had that experience in your brain and body and then you experience again a little bit t- later today and then tomorrow it happens or then you smell something or you feel something or you hear something. Triggers. That brings back that experience in your brain and body. Yeah. And that carries on for a long period of time, sometimes a lifetime. Do you see, that's when within neuroscience we would define that experience as a traumatic experience. Right. Does that make sense? Yes, it does make sense. And it brings up, I know we've touched on this briefly in other podcasts, but does that, um, you know, how does that uh, align with um, uh, intergenerational trauma? Yeah. Right, so when we're, when we're scanning and we're asking, um, you know, for safety and we're trying to feel safe about things, if you have been given beliefs and understandings of what's danger, what's not, mm. can you see how you could have experienced an activation of your brain and body when you're younger? So say I am holding my baby and I have um, an understanding that maybe I'm not going to be a good mother, I'm going to fail. Um, you know, um, right. the, the media is telling me statistically I'm unsafe. Um, you know, if I go out, people are looking at me. Do you know, like, yeah, all yeah, of that sort yeah, of stuff, yeah. right? So this is the stuff that can happen. We talk about microaggressions and all those sorts of yeah. things. So when I'm holding my baby and I activate into a stress response, my baby's body activates into a stress response. Right. So they continue yeah. <laughs> to activate this stress response each time I activate my stress response. Right. And when they become a toddler and they're running around and the door slams, yeah, boom, th- boom, their body is significantly more likely to go into that stress response. 
I'm still having my stress responses as a parent, so I'm still feeding into them. Which you, you possibly got from, from your my parents. Yeah, 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 and, yeah, and yeah, I'm not yeah. aware of it. I'm not aware of it yeah. at all because in any way. Because it's the norm. Yes, and it's not, and there's no judgment in the space, by the no, way. No, but no, no. Unless we understand this stuff, because the only way to change that situation, by the way, just as a real snapshot, yeah. is to help the parent feel good and feel safe right. and to stop this judgment, microaggressions, all of these sorts Cycle. of things. Do you see? Yeah. So that child could potentially grow up continuing to activate their brain and body, which means they could be defined by me when we get into a school situation as having experienced trauma despite the fact that that parent has never hit the child, has never been angry with the child. Kids never... warm, the kids clean, yes. the, you know, you know, all those positive things. Do you see? But, and, I'm, and, and the word trauma is so difficult because if someone's listening to that and going, oh my goodness, I was quite depressed, I was anxious, I was alone, and, and I did that, yeah, you know what? This is this is about changing our future and recognizing the difference. And a lot of people come up to me and go, "I think that happened for me." And do you think I've made an impact on my baby, who is now a teenager or an adult? I'm like, yeah, there is a possibility that that's happened, yeah, and yeah. I'm really sorry that that's happened. Yeah. But if we don't say this out loud and understand and it, name it. Yeah. How can we change it? And I was just talking to a parent the other day, and she had felt that that had happened for her, and her daughter was now finding it difficult to parent her baby. And gotcha. so what she said is now I realise what I need to do as grandma, I need to go in yep. and be more of a parent, be more of a responder, Support. be more of a see, so we don't go, oh, bad me and guilt situations. No, we were given the wrong space if we understand that we can change it. So please hear this information as, as, a, as, as a way to change the ongoing generational space, yeah. which create is about connection and support. But yes, you could experience trauma and now have difficulty learning, difficulty engaging, difficulty in attachment, difficulty. And, and um, as uh, Oprah Winfrey talks in her book, What Happened to You with Dr. Perry, that we've talked about, she's an absolute people pleaser. She does, she did, she did everything what people asked her because she could never have conflict because right. of the trauma she had experienced. Do you see so? I know trauma. people like this. Right? You know, as you're explaining this, I know people like this, you know. But the good news is what you're talking about is that we can uh, rectify this. 100%. That's a beauty. 100%. I think you just need to touch on a few things that rectify this just to make it clear. Uh, I know you did, did did touch on a few, but what is it? It's re-engaging, re-mothering, re-fathering, uh, positive affirmation, that sort of stuff. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. So, if we, again, we go back to me being the mother who's holding the baby and I'm feeling... Anxious, nervous. I am um, in poverty. And by the way, poverty is not the only reason. But if I'm poverty and I can't provide for my baby, of course I'm going to be stressed. Yeah. If I'm in poverty and I have lots of whānau around me who are helping yeah. me out, then I'm not stressed, am I? So, yeah. But do you see, so if you see someone who you believe may be activating into the stress response more often and is quite isolated with their baby, then we go in yeah. and we pick up baby. And we carry baby around and we talk to baby and we make baby feel safe and their bodies calms down and they feel more safe. And then we cook dinner and we let the mum sleep for a while or the dad sleep for a while. Do you see? So how do we change that? We make the adult feel safer so they can then be more responsive. And, and that's, what, um, that's what they're passing on. So, you know, when you talk about that and being a, a very proud Amari boy from up north, you know, I talk about those situations. Um, I love those situations in the marae. We were all running around, all cooking. It's not just a Maori thing. You know, there's an old English saying that it takes a village 
to bring up a child. Um, is that what you're saying? 100%. Mm. So you see, and so what we've decided, we, um, there's someone who's decided that we are now going to, if you, if you um, have babies or you adopt babies, foster babies, you are now the person who's going to look after them. And if you're in a um, two-person relationship, then in all honesty, there's usually only one person at most times looking yep. after. So you could have three, four, five tamariki, tamariki in the space, right? Yeah. You're now responsible for all of them, also for cleaning up, also for cooking all the meals, also providing all the money that's going to be... I'm starting to glaze over. I'm starting to glaze over. So if you're on the marae, what is more natural is we've looked through, we, I haven't, Dr Perry and many other people have looked at anthropological research. I love that word. I got mm. it out right. Got it out right. Um, and what it shows is if we naturally raise our children, there's a ratio of four to one. Now, when I say four to one, what comes to everybody's mind? Four what to one what? Four adults. <laughs> Not the other way around. Right. Four adults to one to child. one child. Whoa. So essentially up into the age of six... Our babies, toddlers, had four people at any time, not one on Monday, one on Tuesday, at any time. In their space. Yeah, and that that they could go over to. So someone's a bit tired, someone else feels like going out for a walk, go off with them, go cook with that person, go weave with that person, go. And that's what it looked like on the Marae, right? So that's what you had available. And and, and a lot of, um, you know, village, Mm -hmm. indigenous, semi-indigenous situations, eh? that was the... The way, the human way, eh? So um, have we have we dropped the ball in the machine that we've made? <laughs> you know, is the, is it broken? Do you think to a, to an extent? I, I absolutely believe we it's 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 not broken beyond repair. Yeah, but it is because there's all of this understanding or belief that m- me as a parent. I should parent my children and I should people should turn up and my house should look tidy. It doesn't, by the way. Um, my house should look tidy. They sh- I should be able to provide and I should be doing this. And I should also have a full-time job. And if I'm not and I'm home parenting, I should be on all the boards because I've got so much spare time. Do you know? And, and we live Pretty by ourselves. Sure. We're isolated and we're posting everything so we have to look. It, it just we have got this pressure. And if we don't meet that belief system, there's something wrong with me, right? And, and, and we've got to change that concept. We've got to change that belief system. We've got to say, actually, it's okay to live in the house with, you know, with, with the grandparents, with the other people, with other yeah. whānau and stuff like that. Which is a bit messy sometimes. Yes. And, yeah. and it's not because you're not good enough or you can't do it. It's because this is way more natural. If I was a parent with, and I was struggling with postnatal depression or I had my own mental health issues or I was just under pressure and... We mentioned it um, when we were talking before um, we came on air about the impact of COVID. Yeah. Right? So you had your baby. And sometimes, by the way, that was better because I heard that, you know, like um, everyone could be home and they were home all the time. And so in some ways that was a better space, right? More connection. But say you were on your own and you couldn't have, you know, um, the – your parents come along and um, stay or they were overseas and they weren't available and so you were isolated for a long time. I'm a good mum, but I know at times I was overwhelmed and, and, and I wasn't in a good space and I probably wasn't able to calm my babies down and provide for them as adequately as I should have been able to if I had three other people around me mm. who were helping me not only care for my baby but care for myself. Yeah. And can you see that that would, that would dilute the mental health issues, situations, the anxiety issues? Do you see what I mean? So if I could be fully anxious parent 
But if I had three other people around me who weren't and who were responsive and stuff like that, then that would mean my impact on my baby wasn't as... I could still be present, I could still be with them, Mm. but also my... I would feel better as well. But you're talking about a natural environment with that (laughs) four-to-one ratio. Now, I'm just thinking, I've got a few whanau who are teachers, right? And I've sat on the board of schools. So if you said to a teacher, the ratio needs to be four adults to one child, and I'm sitting on the board, mate, we haven't got the money for that. <laughs> Forget that, mate. You know, I remember when I was at primary school and we, we didn't have slate, then we had books and everything. <laughs> Just. But, yeah, I should stop it. Um, um, you know, there were 30 or 40 kids in our class. Um, so we talk about that. And it's not about going, we need to fix this now. I think the first thing for me as a member of society is to recognise that this isn't the best way. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, because, you know, it's a, it's a ship, it's a big old ship going in one direction, you can't turn it around tomorrow. But having the information, having the awareness and having um, and knowing what the results of a change in environment can do, I think it's awesome. But teachers, have you told teachers this? I have, and it's quite funny. So that they ratio, out? They, they, well, we we have we can imagine it would create some interesting conversations. Um, so that ratio four to one is up into the age of six years old. Right, not hundred percent sure what the ratio is. I've got to find out afterwards. But if you even think up to six years old, I mean, thirty kids to one adult can never be a biologically respectful ratio. It, no. it just can't be, right? However, if you've got kids coming into class and they're fully regulated and they're confident and they're safe. It doesn't really matter. They, they oh, regulate cool. each other and they're all fine. And Do you see what I mean? Yeah, they're not alone. It's a good atmosphere. Yeah, so they're safe and they can engage. What we're talking about is those um, tamariki walk into our classes who, who have that overactivated stress response, that trauma response oh, where yeah. their bodies are more activated. So if they activate from zero to 100 <laughs> in under five milliseconds, let's just go with that. Now, you know, that's around – then that means that – emotionally regulated under a six-year-old. Hang on, those numbers that you just quoted, under five, what? Milliseconds. Is that true? Is that that it? Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's a roundabout. So we'd probably go, we could go to six or seven milliseconds. But if you think about it, a baby, as soon as they get hungry, boom, they're crying. Yeah. And then they get to a bit of a toddler and they grizzle, grizzle, then they cry, right? So they can hold it for a bit longer and they don't get upset at everything. And so what we do over time is we can hold that for longer and longer. Not right. not every day. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I'm zero to milliseconds. But in a generalised sense, if no matter what happens, our kids are activating, activating, they are emotionally regulated under six years old. Yes. Right? So if you've got those, I call them sprinters. They go from zero to 100, boom, they've gone, no matter what happens. So if teachers think about how many of those they've got in the class... Each one of those children needs four. And when I say that, as you can imagine, it starts having a bit of a giggle. But remember, it's not just a teacher. We have got our kairahi that can be there and supporting. We've got caretakers. We've got people up in the office. We've got um, other mentor students who could be relationships. Do you see what I mean? So we can start within the system. Yeah. That's not biologically respectful, and it's the system, by the way, not the people. Yeah, we can start to do things that can counteract yeah. even that th- lack of relationships. Even that tuakana taina thing, eh? Oh. That happens in a lot of Maori schools where you've got a. Um, oh, actually, it happened at um, one of my son's schools, which wasn't a Maori school. Uh, it was a boys' school, and uh, when they came in in the early years, 
they had a, a buddy who was like a sixth former or year 12 or whatever, and they might be a year nine, mm. and they had a buddy, you know. It's, it's interesting when you talk about this stuff because I always take it back to a cultural space as well. And I look at some Asian cultures, um, and I need to be careful here, so I won't quote exactly who it is, but they have milestones at like 0 to 7, 7 to 14, 14 to 21. And you talk about those responses are really more active and pronounced from 0 to 6. You know, there's some ancient cultural things that have, have observed these things and that people stand by, which we don't do anymore. No. And they work because we're still humans. We are. We are. And we need connection. And, I mean, carrying your baby around and being with your baby, um, you know, at all times. Yeah. You know, there's, as long as our babies learn to regulate themselves at a stage, what's wrong with that? What, why can't yeah. we be with our bubs? And we're moving to a space where sometimes parents are influenced, are told it's a better way is to give your baby away to someone who's trained to look after them. Um, and I certainly felt that when I left, um, when I separated and I had two young kids and I went to DPB and I said, look, it yeah. was DPB back then. I said, I need some support. And I was told, well, we'll pay for your children to be in childcare. You go out and work. I'm like, well, why can't I look after my babies? And can you give me some money to look after my babies? No, no, no. We'll pay somebody Ooh. else to look after. So I was at that stage, it was a long time ago, and I was undervalued for the fact that I'm a I'm an I'm obviously unqualified to look after my own babies, Kilda. right? Um and so I did actually at the time and she said, What are you gonna do? And I said, and I was working at the beautiful Brainwave Trust at the time and I said, Well, I'm I'm gonna, you know, um, try and get paid more for the hours that I do work like this and I sort of had a giggle and I really wish I knew the lady I talked to because um, I have created a space where now I can um, work and support my children without yeah. paying somebody else to do it. Do you know like but in that space I was devalued for my role as a parent, and they said somebody else can do it better and we'll pay somebody else to do it better. So there's a lot of messages out there that we should um, give our children to somebody else and that we're not. So there's that other message, and I think yeah. that's another broken part of our system. Some people choose to do it, and if that's your choice... And it works for you guys? That's, that's, that's a whole different situation, right? But there is a lot of messages out there that we're being told somebody else can do it better. Now, by the time my kids turned sort of three-ish, and both of them are really social kids, so I was like off to kidney, man, because they had they could paint and make messes and yeah. they had all the things available and my kids wanted to be social and that is the best place for them because they yeah. had opportunities and other kids around them and that was brilliant because they and didn't, the in a, you know, um, and, with lots of kids around, yeah. And the foundations were in place. Absolutely. You know, that's the big... It's funny, I'm, I'm thinking about this and I have to be, you probably worked it out by my voice that I am a male. But um, <laughs> I remember some of our whanau uh, found it difficult to breastfeed these babies, right? And even they struggle with the fact that they couldn't breastfeed. And then I think you talking about trauma and the closeness of breastfeeding, that's just one part of that relationship, eh? I mean, I know there's um, health value and all those other things and, and, and it's all good. But just because you haven't breastfed... Uh, there are other ways of um, forming strong connections and stuff like that um, without breastfeeding, eh? Absolutely, and that's, I mean... Uh, Am I taking this on a tangent? Yeah, I don't but care. Hey, we I don't always care. <laughs> when do we ever stay on Yeah, but, but, but my point is, if you're traumatised and you're extra close to that baby in your breastfeeding process, you know, does that, does that increase... Your, well, it probably does increase it, but... You're close to your baby, eh? Mm -hmm. And the positives are coming through, but the negatives are coming through too. 
Potentially, and that's right. So we have to start, and that's why I love understanding trauma with that understanding. It's the it's the activation of the brain and the body. So do you think in that space with mum getting really, you know, fucking ma about the fact that I can't do it and I'm supposed to be able to do this and it's a, and we everyone says oh, it's natural and it's yeah, all that yeah. sort of stuff and yes it is for some people it totally is yeah. but for some people it's not and that's why actually and I'm pretty sure I'm right in this historically it wasn't just the mother that breastfed the baby because you know that we had options we had options of other people feeding breastfeeding oh, our right, babies right, right. right so and I was listening um, I knew this I knew this had a point to it <laughs> you've just saved my <laughs> meandering but yeah yeah, yeah. like but was why it don't a we collectively well we call them wet nurses now, but I was just listening to about there's a tribe in Africa, and apparently the men spend just as much time with the babies, and babies actually suckle on the men's um, nipples when they're with them like yep. this. It's like a soothing thing. But there's lots of women that feed the babies, like if we there were, it's co-fed and all these sorts of things. Oh. So, and I don't know that there's health problems or anything. I don't think so. I'm yeah, just yeah. saying in a connection sort of a way. If you couldn't, then somebody else potentially could, but. But you're right. What I want you to ask is in that space, if mum's feeling that I'm, there's something wrong with me, I can't do this right, she's tensing up physically. She's less likely to be able to feed anyway. Yeah. But also baby will be feeling that tension. Now, if that's happened once or twice and most of the time when mum's finished trying to breastfeed, she actually just gets back to it, sings with bub and is with bub. We're not talking about a problem here, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. When we're talking about trauma and the activation of the brain and body, we're talking about it's happening more often than the calm and connection times happening, if that makes sense. That makes complete sense. Yeah. And um, I was talking to a woman the other day and we were talking about ancient, oh, you know, yeah, ancient ways of child rearing. And one of the things within a within a Māori world was uh, lullaby or oriori. And they were sung to the child when they were still in the womb. And it's not uncommon. You know, so the atmosphere of that warmth, security... And getting ready for that child to come out into the to the open world is 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 really cool. I love this stuff. It's amazing, eh? Yeah. And so so our brain wants familiarity. It wants to know that um, I know this place. I, I've I've been here before. You know what is it? Yeah. Friends. Everybody wants to go where somebody knows yeah, yeah. their name, right? So we want familiarity. Cheers, I think. Cheers. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cheers. Yeah. <laughs> it's a precursor, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, so when um, you know, mum's hapu and baby's in there, and we're singing those lullabies, then when they come out and they recognise the cadence of the voice and they recognise that lullaby, they go, oh, I'm safe. I've been here before. I know this place. It's similar to the place where I was before. Do you see what I mean? And Because so, and, and yeah. we're talking about trauma. I just took off in another direction. But when we're talking about trauma, the, the experiences that we're talking about are the opposite to trauma. 100%. Yeah. This is this connection. But do you see you're not going to be singing your baby a lullaby and chilling out there if you're worried about how you're going to pay for your next meal or whether oh, you're going to be kicked out of your house next. You know, like, so yeah. so this is where that support, that connection, that community is there. And it's not just money, by the way. It's not just handing people money and thinking that that's going to solve the problem. That is part of the issue. Yep, yep. Get it. But the bigger part is making these people, you know, making everyone feel safe, having this connection. And I sort of and laugh. important, eh? Oh, it, you know? That mana, right? Yeah. That mana. I am, I can provide for my baby. And yeah. And this is something that is often taken away. And, and, and in my case, it, I did feel disempowered. But And I'm saying it wasn't massively disempowered yeah, yeah. because I have a history of feeling confident and safe and stuff like that, right? So yeah. that was a slight Because of your upbringing. Because of my upbringing, right? Yeah. Whereas if you Me start too. doing that again and again and again for someone who's continuously felt disempowered, unsafe, undervalued, 
And then you say, by the way, I think that you might not parent your child properly. Oh, yeah, you suck at this. Right? Yeah, sorry. But, yeah, that's yeah, what they're but, saying. And, and you say, um, why can't you be a good parent? And you're like, because you're not parenting me. You're not helping me. You're yeah. not. And, and so what we've got to ask ourselves is, are we creating a system, a society, a place where when we see someone not parenting so well, yeah. instead of saying, what's wrong with you? Why are you not parenting very well? We'll say, how can I help you? How can I make I you feel more safe so you can sing your lullaby to your baby? Yeah, and how can we equip you in a way that brings the best out of you? Mm. Now, it's not going to be everybody, but that's got to be our go-to space, doesn't it? Our go-to conversation. Yes, instead because of the... what it is, is judgment. It's judgment and, yeah. oh, why can't you? Why... We're not born knowing how to parent. Everybody says there's no manual. I mean, crikey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had a friend of mine who spoke, um, she spoke at a um, a teen mother's uh, hui. Okay. And this wonderful lady is is really good at what she does. And she speaks as a mother, as somebody who, who knows the science about it. And she says... Oh, I spent the t- first 10 minutes saying how excited I was about the potential of these babies that you wahine have brought into this world, you know, the All Blacks and the, and the Prime Ministers and the, and the nurses and, you know, just to build up their mana uh, and get rid of that stigma. You know, we don't know their story. Um, and that just gives people the fuel if we give them mana to move on and do good things eh? or to do better at least. Yeah, and, I and, 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 and I'm going to say that I think we might have said this before and it's something that I, I, I probably shouldn't say, but, you know, say I'm, say I'm going to say it anyway. Podcast. Exactly, this is our podcast. <laughs> yeah. If you don't want to listen, turn off. Yeah. So I, I've met a lot of teen mums in, in my work and a lot of other mums, and, and I am only talking about mums here, and I know there's fathers in that space, but I'll just talk about the mums. Now, a lot of our teen mums get our babies and they've got lower expectations of outcomes, they've got lower expectations yeah. of control of their babies, you get a professional woman who's worked and had performance um, outcomes and has done this, and that's changed the next day. Excellent. And then she becomes a mother, and she has a baby. And you change their nappy, and they still poo it the next day, and they still cry, and, and you can't control that, and you don't yeah. have power over this space. That's right. And you're used to controlling your space. It's and not in the diary. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I'm not saying that there's – but I, I could absolutely draw a graph, and it would be the same along there. How many teen mums do I think – um, might struggle in their space, or how many do I think are going to be freaking awesome? Yeah, it's it's not really different to our um, 30, 40 year old professional mums who are doing it because I promise you, a lot of our older mothers struggle as well because of that expectation. I've got my routine. Just a minute, you're stopping me going out and doing what I usually yeah, do. Yeah, do you see? Yeah. So I don't like this judgment in that space. It's like often I find the younger mothers, younger dads, younger people can can. Get, they've got less expectations, so that means they can connect more and, and they can adapt more. Yeah. So, uh, again, there's all this judgment we put out, but p- have people actually sat with our, our young parents and chatted to them about how they connect with their baby and how they are? Yeah, 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 exactly. We watch the media and the media goes, oh, look at that statistic. And so we put that statistic into everywhere and say, well, all teen parents must be. And she's, no, I've met, like I said, absolutely fabulous, amazing and then I've met some of our older parents who are just stressing out so much because they can't train their baby to toilet train um, in the time that they were told that their friends did. You know, like yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> hey, you know, it's funny you bring this up because I've been talking in, in my parenting place space, I've been talking to some people about 
that middle section of New Zealand, okay? The middle section that are sort of doing okay. And we've got people at the upper end who need huge help. Um, and I'm just putting my parenting hat on now. Um, and need huge help. And I was told by, by, by this person, she says, you know, pure those people with big needs. We've got some great people out there doing some great work. Don't ignore that middle section of New Zealanders who we think we're doing okay, we think we don't have trauma, we think we don't have these issues, uh, but there's a big section of people there that actually sometimes don't realise they need some support. Mm. You know, because, oh no, it's these, these guys who are really struggling. But middle New Zealand, and COVID, we're running out of time, so, uh, but <laughs> COVID, if trauma and stuff sneaks up on you, but mm-hmm. you, you think you're doing okay, you may not even recognise that you have a need. No, no, because it feels normal. Yeah. Your body is used to going into that stress response so often or living in that stress response, you don't even notice it. Yeah. And that's why I said often when I do sessions, you'll have, you know, beautiful people coming up and going, you've just made me realise I hadn't thought about it. I had one beautiful wahine came up to me and she said a couple of, I think it was about six months ago or a year ago I'd seen you and you talked about the fact that um, some people react differently. And she says, and both my siblings did fine when my parents separated. She goes, and I just didn't. Yeah. And, but because they did, I thought there was something wrong with me. I thought, And I was like, no, you're a different personality. You're a different – that did affect yeah. you. There was different needs in your body at that time. That did. And she says, and I've been to counselling and I've been working through it. She goes, and I feel the best I've ever felt in my life. Yeah. Because she she was experiencing trauma, but she couldn't – say that because she was okay, she had a good job, she yeah, was, yeah, 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 you know, yeah, she yeah. was that middle New Zealander, yes. she was fine, and everyone looked at her Which and go, oh, cool. you're a successful person, yeah. but her her true ability to be who she needed to be was reduced because she wasn't acknowledging that past and, and what it was happened to her, and now she can, she says, I feel better than I've ever felt before, and and I, I feel incredibly honoured that this information can can put that spotlight out, right? And, and that's what I want to do. And that's what we talk, yeah, and that's yeah, what we yeah, go yeah. off topic all the time. But, but you but brought up another want, thing yeah. too, you know, and quite often even in my situation, say, you know, I've got three kids, mate, they're all brought up the same, you know, and they're so different mm-hmm. and all the rest of it. And my wife and I were just talking about it last night, actually, uh, last night, about understanding how differently our boys are wired mm-hmm. and what is normal to us mm-hmm. And what is not normal to them? Mm-hmm. And boy, it was a big penny drop for us to go, um, you know. And I'm old school, mate. You get off your nono, and you go and get a job, and you or you go. You're either learning or working or both, you know. And um, and that's how I'm wired, and that's how. But you know, our, our our kids are different, and sometimes we have to be more understanding to recognise the different wiring in our whanau. And we need the information to be able to put those lenses on. So we ask, when you did what you did, when you watched your, you know, when they were babies, when they were toddlers, when they were young, how did they feel about you doing that? And two of them went, woohoo! One of them went, ooh, I didn't like that. Do you see what I mean? Like, And because I gave them lots of attention. And for me, that's like, whoop, whoop. For my sister, they'd be like, don't come near me. (laughs) You know? Um, Lots of cuddles and stuff I love. She didn't. You know, like all my other siblings are different. Some like it controls, some like this. And, you know, like we're all different. So we need to say as parents, what does this child need? To, to feel safe. To, yeah. to, and, and we are, we're different, man. Yeah. We're all different. How beautiful is that? It'd be pretty boring if we we're all the same. Totally. And you're talking about resilience and you're mm-hmm. talking about resilience against things like trauma and, and stuff that are, 
that affect our lives. And um, that's why I just keep, you know, uh, um, you know, you know um, environment, parenting, having the knowledge, uh, knowing how our tamariki tick, knowing how, how our partners tick mm. is just a huge part of uh, happy whānau, eh? Oh, absolutely. Recognising we're all individuals. Yeah. Not one size fits all, eh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Yeah, cool. no. Can I just, um, I know we've got a couple of minutes left, but I just wanted to put into that space because it is a really big thing to understand. When we started talking about trauma, I talked about event, experience and effect. And one of the things we do need to be aware of is especially in the first three years, there's certain things that us as humans, um, they're called experience expectant cells in our brain, but they're basically things we need to feel safe. Um, we don't need we don't need to learn algebra. We don't need um, we don't even actually need to learn a language, right? We could we could have developed without learning a language. It's not experience expectant, but there's some things that are right. And touch, and validation, are wow. absolutely one hundred percent. So if you have baby born, and they are fed and they are given you know warmth and stuff, but they are not interacted with. They are not given touch, they're not validated, they don't know that they're safe because nobody's touching them or singing to them, that can activate the body into an experience of trauma and that can have an ongoing effect. So again, we could look back to the history of this space and go, there was no family violence, there was no um, massive transitions in this child's life, so why are they behaving like this? Do you see what I mean? But as a neuroscientist, I look back and I say, do I think the people around baby were able to give baby enough to make them feel safe. And sometimes because of our isolation, because of these other things we've been talking about. Life. Because of life. <laughs> yeah. and, and saying you need to do it on your own and you shouldn't be asking for help. And and and, and now increased um, expenses and, you know, where are we living and where are we going to be living tomorrow and all of those sorts of things. Can that adult give that baby what they need? And if they're not giving them that, baby can be experiencing an activation of the stress response, and that could have an ongoing effect. So again, when we define trauma, it means we stop talking about some things as traumatic. I think we use, like I said, sometimes we use it too often. Oh, that was traumatic, that was traumatic. No, is it going to have a long-term effect? I don't think it is. It was really scary, it was really horrible, it was really sad at the time, but it's not traumatic. It's not going to be an ongoing effect. Right. However, there's some things we don't call trauma that are traumatic. Yeah. Things like not having a response from those around you, not being validated, um, being isolated and those sorts of things. Like I said, having that judgment, having that um, inability to really connect and sing those lullabies to our bubs in, in that space. So, yes, I think we use trauma too much sometimes, but you don't need to use it enough in other places. So if we mm-hmm. understand that event effect and ex- event experience effect, we can start to be more respectful to someone yeah. and go, I understand why at Empathy. the moment... You activate a little bit faster. You have a little bit more of attention around you. You may be not able to converse with me quite as well as I am expecting because you have an ongoing effect from the experience you've had throughout your life, right? And that helps us be so much more respectful, so much more understanding. And the antidote is let's make each other feel safe. When you're saying all this stuff, I've got all these people pictures in my head that I need to reconnect with. (laughs) But Catherine Burkett and Pure Today, which is me, really good stuff, awesome. Did you bring some sandwiches? Oh, no, because I did. (laughs) I bought a boiler. Oh, see, I feel safe now. Yeah, 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 yeah. Cooking smells are good for the whanau. Cool. Hey, thanks so much. And, um, 
yeah, keep checking out our podcast. How do we? How do? How do? How do I find me? Well, if they're listening to it, they've found us. Yeah, I know, but for other people. For, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, I, 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 I always tell people, whatever podcast um, platform you're on, yeah. I ask them to Google your name, Peel right. Today, because they find you really quickly. It's really easy to find and you'll find it. Because I've got questions. There's quite a few other people that are calling their podcast that. So They can't do that. I know. We have, we've got a patent this. Um, but, yeah, so if you Google Peel Today um, on any podcast but, platform, you'll find us. But, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Okay. Cool. I'll get the sandwiches. <laughs>